The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. This is Travaris Tut with Reconstructionist Radio Network, and you can check out part one of this podcast on Reconstructionist Radio under Is Group Economics the Answer? Part two, interview with Javon McKenzie, part one. This will be part two of the interview with Javon McKenzie. So if they were to admit that, then that means that they would have to be saying that you know what, maybe I, it's not so much that I worked, maybe I didn't work as hard as I thought, or maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was better than this person. So it basically puts you on an equal playing field. So now it takes away the pride of, look at how much I did for myself. You you could have done it too. You had the same opportunities. Well, you can't boast if, mm-hmm. if, if certain people didn't have the same opportunities, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so that takes away the pride. So it's a it's a pride issue. Um, but not only that is it a pride issue, but like I was talking about the poor, if you admit that systemic injustice happens, like if white, if, if whites in general admitted and said, look, okay, the system has been racist for years. They've been holding down black people for almost 400 years now. Yes, there's some blacks that come out and, and they'll make it out the hood. They'll you know, be a basketball player or a doctor and stuff like that. But that stuff is rare. That's like 1% of our community, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, of all black people. Um, and even then, they're still they're still slaves. We can get into that later or whatnot. But they would have to, if they admitted that this stuff was real, then and 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 not only that, blacks. It's not and see, it's not just that blacks are oppressed. It's not a it's not a neutral thing like whites over here, and and, and you know, it's not that you know because I think let me just clarify. I think that one thing that evangelicals don't understand is when even 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 when it comes to systemic injustice, even if they're kind of willing to admit. Okay, maybe blacks have been held back. It's not just that blacks have been held back. It's the fact that whites have benefited from blacks being held back. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not a neutral thing towards like, okay, you're affected by slavery, but I'm not, or you're affected by racism. Every human being in America is affected by racism. Mm-hmm. You're either benefiting from it or you're being uh, uh, held back because of it. You see what I'm saying? So if you're a white in America, and you're not suffering from it, you are indeed benefiting from it in some type of form or fashion. And and I know that it's almost like coming to faith when you realize that there's nothing you can do to be saved. That humility of like, man, I can't do nothing. It's, it's, it's almost like that same thing to where it's like you really have to admit, like, wait a minute, like I have in some form. It doesn't mean you didn't work hard. It doesn't mean you're not smarter than other people. But in some form or fashion, I've benefited from the injustice of a whole entire community of people, groups, et cetera. Um, and so if they admit that, the next question comes to Boris is, well, if they admit that's true, then what should we do with our resources or what should they do with their resources, right? Because like you said, you know, people have this mentality of like, oh, work like me, do stuff like that. Well, if you admit that this stuff is true, it was true and it, it is still true to this day, the next question would be like, if you love your neighbor, if you're a Christian, what would it look like with your finance? You making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, eighty thousand, whatever a year? Where are those resources going? Does it mean you have to take all your resources and give it to black people? Absolutely not. 
but there would be something in you that'd be like, you know what, I need to give back. I need to help. I need to, what can I do? I have a place or privilege and not just money, but your voice, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, your status of, you know, I, I have influence to be able to, you know, not only give back to the community, but, uh, but help other white people to understand and help other white people to receive blacks. I have a, a business, Fortune 500 company. I can provide jobs. I can train up people. I can go into the communities and help train people. So now instead of looking down on them and saying these people are lazy, they just need to get a job, you're like, well, how can I help them get a job? And it almost kind of reminds me of what Jesus said to the disciples when he said, you know, when, they, when they, I think it was on the mountain and, and, and Jesus at, looked at the disciples and said, where are all these people going to get food? Now, the Bible says there were 5,000, but that was just the men. That's not counting women and children, which historically probably would have been around 20,000 people. So he looked out at 20,000 people and told the disciples, hey, where are we going to get where, where are these people going to get food? And of course, what the disciples say, hey, send them away, tell them to get their own food. So basically, the burden wasn't on the disciples. They're like the burden is on these people. And Jesus, it wasn't like Jesus needed to know because he was like, oh, man, like, dang, I wonder where they're going to get food. Of course he knew. He was testing them. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. Yeah. And they were like, well, this is all we got. So the little that they got, they still use to help. So if they can do that, how much more can people who are making plenty uh, of fiat, plenty of finances in America to be able to go into an inner city, Chicago or, or whatnot, wherever they're at, and to help out? So I think that really answers uh, and it's, it's a little deeper than that, but I think that really goes into the heart of of uh, of the matter, which really is just humility, you know, humility. And then the fact that if you admit that, then you have to be how people say, if you're not part of the problem, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Right. right, right. So that 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 actually would force people in a sense if they admitted that, then the next question would be like, dang, if I really believe that systemic injustice is true, what am I doing to go against it? And I don't think people want that burden. Right, right. Okay, so since you believe that people don't want that burden, right, obviously we, you know, our prayers is that, you know, hearts would change. And as we do know, there's always going to be that that remnant of, of brothers, you know, of course we got white brothers who probably are thinking like this, probably seeking ways to get involved, people who are getting their hands dirty um, right now. Yeah. But we know as a whole we don't see, we don't really see that, and we don't see that as the church's stance um, in America, at least, like if you were to ask the majority of evangelicals in America, they would not say that that's the solution. And so with that being the case, you see kind of this, um, this exodus in the sense of, of, of of black people, um, you know, leaving the church because, you know, of course people not, you know, understanding systemic injustice, not wanting to stand up for it, um, not having a biblical worldview, uh, towards it and then even coming with these economic challenges uh you know brothers not not wanting to help in that area so black people kind of feel like right now uh, even when it comes to church planting i mean, I talk to you know a lot of people who are doing doing ministry in the industry and they're just like man like my number one problem is you know funding you know and yeah. so black people are kind of feeling like hey we just we're just gonna have to do this on our own and it's almost like black people have always felt like that you know yeah. um yep. to a certain extent in this country yep. and so what do you think and what ways do you believe that people, um, black people can uh, use current resources to become, you know, entrepreneurs, create wealth for themselves, their families and their communities um, on their own while, you know, we wait patiently, you know, for our brothers to to wake up, you know, to what's really going on. 
Um, how can how can we, in the midst of a system that's working against us, you know, um, you know, provide uh, sustainable resources for our, for ourselves, our families, and communities. And also considering the fact that we're in a different age now with so many different outlets, such as like the Internet and whatnot, what do you think that we can do practically um, to help that situation out? Um, yeah, that's good. another good question. I, I would say, uh, number one, looking at the, the grand scope of things or scheme of things, when you look at, um, like you said, there's so much resources and there's, uh, you know, you have Internet, social media and stuff like that. So which is the internet is actually I've said this before to people the internet is further proof that people are willfully ignorant there's so much information out there right so it's not so much a matter of us convincing white people or people in general of systemic injustice if you're in America and you don't understand systemic injustice then you it, it's it's usually I'm not going to say all the time but I would say 9 out of 10 times it's you don't want to understand yeah. Um, and you may even ask, like, hey, I really want to, you know, but you're you're suppressing your conscience. But because it's clear, you know, historically, uh, you can look at the prison. You can look at all different type of things economically. I mean, it's, it's there. And so because we know it's there, you know, like I, I said this before, if, if, if 400 years of oppression doesn't convince you or 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 history, 300, 200, however many years you want to go back. Uh, is not enough for you to see that this country clearly has an issue with people of color, with immigrants in general, outsiders, so-called outsiders, mm-hmm. then there's nothing really I can do to convince you. You know, it's 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 not something that you want to. Uh, it's almost like somebody told a story of, you know, a dead man or a guy who claimed he was dead, you know, was telling people he was dead and, and, and the guy. Uh, the people said, "Well, you're not you're not dead, man. You're you know you're you're delusional. Dead men bleed, you know." He was and he was like, well, the guy was like, "Yeah, of course, dead men bleed." And they was like, "So if we cut you, and you bleed, will you admit that you're alive?" And of course, he was like, "Yeah," you know what I'm saying. So he so they ended up taking him to a doctor or cut him cut him open or something like that. And when they cut him open, he basically was like, "Oh, what do you know? Dead men do bleed, right?" So his presupposition was that he was a dead man and there was nothing you were going to do to change his mind. So even when he agreed to that, if you could show him him bleeding, he would admit it. All he changed to was, oh, yeah, I do bleed, but I guess I guess I was wrong. Not I was wrong. You're right. But I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Dead men do bleed. So now I'm still a dead man. So basically, that's what you have in America is, you know, you can show them all the evidence of the world is systemic. You can show them a thousand uh Every for the next two years, every killing from cops could be black people and people will still make excuses and say it's black people's fault. It's always the black person's fault. If they would just be more civil, if they would just be more professional, if they would learn to respect our heroes the way they deserve respect, then it wouldn't happen. Right. So going to I say I'd say this with the economic status, when you look at when you go back to the civil rights era and the fact that blacks were wanting integration, integration is a great thing but i'll say this and i'll preface my comments it can be a and i think it has been a curse Mm -hmm. and uh before before people you know turn off the podcast listen to what i'm saying uh in 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 general it's a blessing it's a curse from the standpoint if you don't have the right mindset what happened was when integration happened blacks started getting comfortable because we were so used to 
sitting in the back of the bus, not being able to sit with white people, not being able to sit in the same seat with white people or the, the front of the, the diner or the front of the restaurant, uh, go, uh, use the same bathroom, all these different type of things that we actually, during segregation, we our, our community, we were building up a great economic structure. Mm-hmm. And what happened was we forgot about that structure because we basically let our guard down and basically a lot of blacks had the mindset of, well, it's over. We've won. You know, that was a battle that was won. That was not a war. The war was not won. You know what I'm saying? You could win You could win a battle. If you study uh, wars, you can win a battle and lose the war. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we won that battle in a sense, but really we lost because they had another way of oppressing us through the prison system and the, uh, the war on drugs that we didn't know was coming. But we basically looked at it like, hey, it's kumbaya. We're good now. So we started basically taking all our resources and then sp- and spending it in an already rich and wealthy white community. Mm-hmm. And because we did that, we forgot to be like, hold on, y'all. You know, we love whites and we'll still go con- contribute to them. But they've been way ahead, especially starting with slavery. We've been behind for centuries now. We need to continue this economic structure. Praise God that we can sit at the same diner and we can go out to eat. That's great. But we need to still make black businesses the priority, not because we think black the color black is better than white, but because there's still inequality when it comes to the economics. Well, you know what, real quick, um, I was, I don't know if you saw the, uh, did you see the James Baldwin um, documentary? No, no, I still want to see it, man. It, it didn't show in my area, but I, I, I'm going to get that as soon as it comes on DVD. Yeah, uh, not man. your Negro. Yeah, so in, in, in that documentary, they were showing how basically um, because of segregation, you know, white people didn't you know, want anything to do with black people, of course. They still, of course, were taking their money, you know, while you know, they were in the back of, you know, of the, the restaurant or in, in the basement or whatever the case yeah. was. But once integration happened, it was kind of like, okay, um, they had these commercials where it's like, hey, look, black people spend like, you know, these billions of dollars every year. Like you're missing mm-hmm. out on these consumers. Like you need yeah. to be marketing to black people. So it was like yeah. a commercial for white people to say, hey, look, here's some money. You know what I'm saying? So it's basically like exploiting the black community. Like, hey, they yeah. spend a lot of money. Let's, you know, get them yeah. to purchase from us now. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. And that and that and that was and that was one of the mistakes on our part. Um, you know, and we've been we've been suffering ever since. And then of course the here comes the drug war, here comes, you know, removing the fathers again, you know, here comes shutting down factories where blacks were working so that we would be jobless and, and either result to using drugs or selling drugs or, you know, all different type of, all different type of things that happen. So I think um, just, just, just dealing with the present day, you know, it starts, it starts in communities. It starts at a small level. You know, when Martin Luther King and them started the civil rights movement, it wasn't this huge movement that it grew to be. It was a few people, mm-hmm. you know, and the word spread like, yo, the, the Montgomery boycott, wasn't a huge thing overnight. They didn't have social media, uh, but what they did, word of mouth spread, the Negro is not to ride the bus. You know what I'm saying? They want to be racist. Well, guess what? We'll shut, we'll, we'll, and, and that's, and that's what a lot of people need to understand. And this goes to a deeper question without trying to get off topic. The way you reach, and it sucks saying this, but it's just true. And Martin Luther King knew it. The way, and this is another way we can combat abortion. The way you reach the dominant culture, the white culture in America, is through their pocket. That's how the, that's their ears are in their pocket. So when Martin Luther King tapped their pocket, it's like, oh yeah, well guess what? None of us will ride the bus. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And we'll see how long that lasts. You know what I'm saying? I think it was a year. I can't remember how long it was, but they eventually was like, hey, come ride a bus. You can sit wherever you want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so even like a lot of these churches, you know, people people are getting up uh, upset because their pastor won't deal with, you know, the issues and doesn't want to talk about it and, and, and will use the Bible to, uh, just like they did in slavery, to suppress the black conscience. Uh, and, and a consciousness and, and, and basically say, oh, none of that stuff matters, only Jesus matters. Um, yeah, remove your tithes and offerings uh, and, 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 and because they'll still take your money. You know, they'll call you divisive or whatever, but they won't they won't they won't they won't resend your tithes and offerings. You know, uh, you can be as divisive as you want, but you, you donate ten thousand dollars. They ain't sending it back. Yeah. So uh, is it's, it's to put your, our money to people who are going to stand up against injustice who are who do love our community because at the end of the day we're the ones when when it came to civil rights it wasn't white people that looked out and said oh blacks are going through and then they started this big old march and boycotting it was blacks that had to do it ourselves right yeah and even while we were doing it we had great oppression or great uh um we had uh, uh some of our biggest uh, uh hindrances were white evangelicals they were the right. ones telling us to calm down you know, and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to economics in, in the black community, I think that we really have to start. And I, I, this is why I think house churches are key, are, are a huge blessing, too. And, and, of course, you know, house churches are looked down by uh, by a lot of American uh, people because the church has been so commercialized in America that we forget that they were meeting in houses in the Book of Acts. You know, it didn't say meet in houses until you can get these big, beautiful buildings and you can go into debt with the bank and stuff like that. No, they were going from house to house. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say that one day they would go to buildings, which is nothing wrong with a building, but don't go in debt for one and don't think that's the only way you can do you can have fellowship. And so right. if, if if you know, I think if we would plant a bunch of house churches, house house local uh, fellowships or houses where people could fellowship, it's it's cost efficient because we don't have to worry about going in debt with the banks or spending a lot of resources. And not only that, but you can you can exercise hospitality to a greater level because now you have people coming into the place of your residence where you live and, and it can really be a community. You can really get to know these people, really show these people you care. They're not going into a church where there's five hundred people and they feel like, you know, they feel like a, a you know a drop in the in the ocean. You know, uh, or anything like that. It's like, no, people know who you are. People care about you. People are concerned. You don't have a job. People are trying to help you with to get a job or there's somebody there who has a business that can train you, hire you. Um, these are the type of things that are going to reach, uh, the black community and all that, not and all that, all that is because of a result of the gospel. So if people, um, if the black, if us in the black community, you know, we start off small, maybe with a house church, uh, a local fellowship and we teach the people not only about, uh, Jesus, the gospel, but the Bible teaches us about economics. So that's why it's funny when people say, oh, you know, social issues, blah, blah. Well, what Bible are you reading? Mm-hmm. You know, because Jesus didn't, you know, even when Paul writes his epistles, he didn't say, you know, he didn't write to the Corinthians and be like, I hear you guys are dealing with sin. The gospel is the answer. Well, duh, that's common sense. <laughs> he wrote an epistle because they needed they needed information. He didn't say, well, hey, the older, the widow, the widow lost her husband, older widow, younger widow. Well, how do you handle that? The answer is the gospel, of course. But what does that look like? Yeah. Oh, okay. The older widow, the church should take care of her. If there's no relative to take care of her and the younger widow, tell her, you know, she should get married again. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel doesn't tell you that. 
you know, the application from the gospel tells you that. Wisdom from God's law tells you that. But Jesus dying on the cross doesn't tell you uh, how you should, uh, you know, at what age should a woman uh, be taken care of, 60 years old. You know, you don't look, oh, hey, Jesus dying on the cross lets me know that a woman at 60 should be. No, you don't get that. Right, right. You know, you have to have application from God's law. And so mm-hmm. you only get that through seeing the gospel for what it is. And then as a result of that, that affects everything you do and how you think, uh, something like that. So I think if blacks would, if, if black Christians in particular can go out into the communities and basically do what the Panthers did, which was raise awareness in their community, pass out flyers, build relationships with people, start off with the young children, educating them because they're the next generation that's going to take over. And so we start off small and start gearing them up and teaching them all that we know at a young age, then that's going to help the next generation to be able to fight a better fight than we were able to fight coming from a place of ignorance for so long. This will conclude part two of this interview. The next podcast will conclude this interview. So until next time, grace and peace to you. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.